Hi everyone, Lauren Hubelay here. This is Restoring Immunity, Explorations in Polyvagal Theory. Let's do a little time travel back to when after a way too long Christmas break, putting up with your backward thinking parents and so annoying brothers or sisters, and you happen to burst into your dorm room to find your besties there waiting for you. There you each tell your survival tales that need to be told from the weeks apart. Well, that's pretty much what I feel is about to happen here. And the energy is high as I gather together with my co-host, Megan Limp and Cameron Scott after a whole month apart, ladies. So hold on tight for our holiday true survival stories. A quote from Mark Twain. Let us make a special effort to stop communicating with each other so we can have some conversation. So Megan, Cameron, let's open this conversation. How are you two? Happy to be here. <laughs> Yay, Cameron. Yeah. Megan, how are you? Wonderful. And likewise, Cameron, it is so good to be joining with both of you again. How was your holiday? Cameron? How is I'm yours? still here. I love the, the invitation <laughs> to quiet and come into conversation because I think some of the conversations I'm having with myself and, and with many of the people that I'm connecting in through work and, and through life is, you know how we always people ask, how are you? How are your holidays? And we're all supposed to override our experience and, and rush right into Great, wonderful, a little different this year, but oh, just aren't the holidays magical? And the truth is my system's been, first it was whispering, then it was muttering and, and, and recently has been hollering. No, it wasn't wonderful. It wasn't magical. And I, I'm tired of overriding my system suggesting it wasn't. I'm still here is actually quite to the credit of coming back into listening more carefully to my autonomic nervous system, which missed an ease of co-regulations. A lot of the rituals and, and working too hard to make Christmas and New Year's in my family is more about display. I didn't miss that, but I had to be honest about how much my system really has been missing co-regulation. Mm -hmm. It was connecting in a safe way to other autonomic nervous systems. And at this time in, our, in my life and in our world, there's not a lot of ease for connecting. And so that's your image, Lauren, of coming back to besties in a dorm room fits with my system. And little by little, I'm trying to offer those cues of safety inside as well as around me is that maybe it's not the right answer, but it is my truth. And, and the, how that is the beginning of that invitation back into better regulation. That is beautiful. And I know that we talked a little bit about co-regulation and did a little bit of a holiday survival guide after Thanksgiving and leading up into the um, Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's time that we're in now. Um, and it's interesting because I 
had a much quieter and slower paced holiday, Cameron also. And our presence and our discussion about curiosity and how when we can replace fear with curiosity, um, how settled uh, and safe we can, we can feel, how grounded I can feel when I'm able to meet things with curiosity. And so I tried to bring that with me going into this holiday. There were so many unknowns in how I was going to um, engage and uh, interact with my family or not, and how we were going to do that. Um, and my mom and her husband decided um, before Thanksgiving that they felt safe to enjoy brunch with us, which is our typical Thanksgiving tradition. And we had the conversation prior to Christmas. And here in Missouri, as in many states, our numbers are up and everybody's um, place in which they feel safe and don't in relation to the pandemic is changing. It feels like almost hour to hour sometimes. And so what I decided to do is you know, keep in mind what we talked about with choice, connection, and context. And uh, I had this great conversation with my mom where we were both able to show up honestly. And I said, how about I just make a plan for when we're going to eat on Christmas day and you decide at the very last second how you wanna fit into that knowing that you're welcome for all of it or none of it and that if you don't feel safe taking your mask off and us sharing a meal together, that doesn't mean that we can't be in each other's presence and still connect and we can come over and just not share a meal. And I just wanna say thank you because I don't know that I would have been able to show up with that intentionality and presence if we hadn't had you know, this connection with each other. Beautiful, Megan. Yeah, yeah. Megan, you, I, you and I had a conversation in between podcast recordings about this context, choice, and co-regulation. And Cameron, you know, I was—I have to tell you, when we did a podcast about that, and if you all haven't watched that podcast, I totally suggest you go back and listen because you will see that we were unpacking something that really didn't feel super tangible at the time. And this holiday season just delivered it on a platter for me in such a powerful way that like you, Megan, it has not only framed how I approach a situation, but how I can extend that to others in a very responsible way. And, um, our situation came, began in Thanksgiving where I walked away from an evening for the first time, our whole family got together in nine months. And we got together outdoors because we can do that in Texas. And um, we, we had this amazing experience, um, but it was afterwards that the magic of it I could relate to context. My daughter was very clear with instructions and how we would all operate indoors with a mask, outdoors without a mask. There was choice and there was co-regulation. And 
everyone came home feeling cozy. And I think that when I go back and I go through all the holiday nightmares of 60 years, which is a lot to unpack, I can bring up times where those three were offered and in plenty and when they were in short supply and how that affected me. And so I happen to be in a, a, a situation where we have um, a, a, a son who has a partner that deals with a lot of anxiety and um, just is challenged by family gatherings. And this partner had chosen not to participate in Thanksgiving. That was a lot, it was a lot of people. So um, I offered very similar to your situation, Megan, um, Here's what I have on offer. Christmas Eve, I'll prepare this meal at this time. At this time, I'm going for a hike if you'd like to join me. At this time, I'll serve the meal. I'll have a few gifts and everything will wrap up by this time. The partner came. It was lovely. Everyone felt safe. And all the time we put into, are the decorations right? Are the, is the tablecloth right? Is that the right side dish? Did I use the right pie recipe? Uh -uh. That's not it, is it? No. It's really context, choice, and co-regulation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So Cameron, did you have any opportunity to experience that either in deficit or in, in um, where it was plentiful in your situation? I think it was a very similar experience in ways to, to the both of you, which is by letting go of that wonderful illusion of control and making the holidays wonderful, magical, whatever, uh, you know, equally, I just embrace that it's like we there's so much we don't know and how can we do so in that invitation for safety and, and you know old language is like well just drop your expectations and that's a pretty mobilized place to say what you should do as right. opposed to really offering that embrace of like you know we don't know and you know we all need to feel good and and safe so what does that look like and you are welcome and that's that, that's that echo of the context and that welcome to safety, however it looks, yeah. that allows for choice and then that co-regulation or connection. Yeah. And that's for me, it ended up the moment I, I let it all go and said, you know, whatever we do is fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if nothing happens, it's gonna be fine. You know, this year, as things slowed down a little bit, I had a challenging moment um, that turned out beautifully, but I thought it would be a fun one to share. Please. So, you know, our boys are getting a little bit older. Um, and I think as we can all relate to, if we've had young children at some point, there's a lot of time and energy and money that goes into trying to mm -hmm. um, create this lovely Christmas gift experience for our children. Sure. And there's so much tied into that, 
that if we don't really sit with it, it can be ripe for um, not feeling safe or certainly feeling dysregulated at the very least. And so my older son is now 13. And so he's starting to evolve in his relationship with Christmas, but he's just on that cusp where, you know, we, I still want it to be special and magical for him. Now, that being said, I can kind of hold this, both of these in the palm of my hand, that I want it to be special and magical for him. And that I also cannot control how another person experiences something. So like you said, Lauren, this is what I have on offer. And um, I can give to the place that I feel safe giving and then let the rest play out. So um, he came to me uh, later on Christmas day and he said, you know, all of the anticipation and expectation and looking forward to all of these gifts and it is so fun. And then in 30 minutes, it's over. And um, I could feel, a, you know, my stomach and chest start to tighten. Mm-hmm. And I could feel a little dysregulation start to set in. And it was actually a miracle because I was kind of able to just pause and think, you know what? I remember actually that feeling when you start to move to that next phase of your maturity and development and all of that magic, you have to find a new way to have choice, context, and connection within that and and manage your expectations and still allow it to be wonderful. And so we actually had this great conversation where I was able to um, affirm that without taking it personally and say, yeah, it is weird, isn't it? You know, we all do all this work and I know you have all these hopes and then it is over. I said, but how wonderful is it that there is this one day of year in our culture where people who feel a connection to you or love you show that by giving you a gift. And if we can stay with that, I think it helps to manage the letdown. Oh, wow. And um, we were able to really have a moment of connection about it. Wow. Wow, Megan. I mean, you brought that right down to the core that mm-hmm. nobody thinks about. That's really what it's about. It, yeah. I want to, I, re- I think that bears repeating that it's one day of the year that those that love you can show it by giving a gift. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. Yeah, wow, wow. Holding that space, it sounds like your autonomic nervous system had a moment of like, oh, but I want it to be what you want to do. (laughs) And we can be together and it isn't that, is it? Which is, all that invitation, all that embracing his opportunity to safely evolve, because he is, he's growing up. Yes. His capacity is growing and you're able to hold that with him. And that's just probably, I wouldn't go so far as to say the best present of all, but in some years to come, he might well remember it as such. And, you know, I think it's important that I mention, you know, when we talk about co-regulation, we can talk about the people who are in front of us, you know, the three of us are together looking at each other and hearing each other's voices right now, or on Christmas or Thanksgiving or um, in Hanukkah celebrations or whatever it is that we celebrate when we're with people, even if it's digitally, you know, we're, we're having an in-person or live interaction. One of the things that I think helped me go into that feeling that on some level I had the choice 
um, context and connection intact, at least <laughs> a percentage, at least enough that I could um, feel whole and grounded in that situation was that I was continuing to co-regulate with you guys, even though we weren't together in person. And I think that that's important that the way that we hold each other in our awareness or in our heart or however the words work for each one of us, um, it continued to be a regulating force for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it extends well beyond the time that you're actually with that person. Yeah. Yeah. As in Deb's Immortal World, she would call that your ventral vagal anchor. Yeah. And the new experiences you came before the holidays into just holding this concept of choice, context, and connection was also holding the experience that you've earned that allows you to have those ventral vagal anchors that are there for us when we feel a little bit pushed off our mooring, so to speak. We have each other and we have that. Connection. Yeah. And I think anchor is a, is a really great word because I think that many of us can relate when we don't have a ventral vagal anchor in a situation to feeling quite untethered. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was just thinking back on, on my Christmas Eve, Christmas day. And um, for those of you that are listening, I, I decided that, you know, there wasn't enough oddness and strangeness about the Christmas holiday, I needed to add my own complexity and layer of it. And so early in the month, I decided it was a great time to send my husband off. So I would spend the holiday alone. Um, and he would be with his 86 year old mother in Germany, which all sounded incredibly noble at the time and certainly heartfelt. Um, and then as it approaches, it was so interesting because there's like this side of me that's going, this is really cool. I get to eat what I want. I get to go to bed when I want. And I don't need to do X, Y, and Z on Christmas. And then there's part of me that's caught up with the story. Oh my gosh, you're alone on Christmas, right? What is that about? And of, of course it doesn't help that people around you are like, you're alone on Christmas? Are you okay about that? Or, and it was actually the coziest, loveliest day of lighting a fire, reading the dear books that I was given over the holidays and dozing and drinking a lot of tea. And, and it, it was really fun, but it would, be, would have not been hard to get caught up in that storyline. Yeah, I see you nodding, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm thinking of just back to the, the moment by moment and, um, you know, letting go because of COVID. I have family locally. I have two adult children who have spouses and, and little ones. And, and um, while I was able to spend ultimately a little time on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve was completely on my own. But Christmas Eve afternoon, one of the vehicles containing my family that I would not be officially seeing pulled into my driveway. And, and we sort of took time with a great open heart, but you know, they put a couple presents down, they put a present down on, on my back stairs for me. And I walked down the stairs and put a couple things for the, the little children. And, and you know, there we sort of stood and like, okay. <laughs> and they rolled down the window and there's this little boy who's been well-schooled in his manners. He's about four and a half. 
and he would have, you know, he's always told to do the right thing and, you know, say the right thing, but he was in there, he's in his car seat with his mask on, but he just looked up in this little face, you know, he, he offered a, a, an air hug by wrapping his hands around in the cell. And then this little voice just said, I love you, Mimi. Oh, and I, in that moment in time, I just mm. melted. And where I had formerly thought I'm spending Christmas Eve by myself in that story, I got a new pan to cook in. I went in and had the loveliest time. I put on my apron and my cooking clogs and, and, and played with my new toy, just like a little kid and could not possibly have felt more gifted in that moment in terms of regulation. Mm. Oh, what a great story, Cameron. Yeah. What a great story. And you know, you, you kind of did that voice thing that reminded me of that I'm spending Christmas alone can be said from all three states, right? Yeah. yeah. Come on, Cameron, you do it so well. Give it to me. <laughs> You're spending Christmas alone, Lauren? All by yourself? It's Christmas. Oh, you're spending Christmas by yourself? Christmas all alone? You're spending Christmas on your own this year, aren't you? On your own. What are you going to do with it? Very dear. Very dear. And that's exactly how I felt like a big girl in my ventral vagal state. <laughs> I'm spending Christmas alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Although Megan, I'm sure there's there's a little bit of a fantasy at this point. <laughs> with the age of your children like Christmas alone. Is that a thing? <laughs> I know. Yeah. That is funny. And that is true. But I tell you what, I did sneak away and did have a few minutes to read and take a bath. And there was really something about the slower pace that inside of a household with young kids that's still very active and can feel chaotic on the holidays, that one of the silver linings of this slower pace right now is that there is more time even within that yeah. to have some moments where I feel anchored uh, and regulate alone. You know, um, we were talking about gifts and I, I um, don't want to miss putting a plug in for an amazing book I was gifted. Um, it brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because it was from my uh, dear uh, middle child, Kate. And you know, when your kids really get you, that that's super special. Um, and, and we, when we see that in their adult life and, and um, the book is titled Wintering by Catherine May. Wait a minute, Megan, did you get that too? I didn't get the book, but you are about the 10th person to bring up this dear book in the past month to me. And I, it must be, you know, Lauren and I were talking before we started recording about how this is a time, and Cameron, you jumped in and agreed on this, that so many things are connecting yeah. on every level, all around us and internally. And this book is surely a part of that. And I can see that what it's doing for the people in my life that have read this book is that it is bringing a new awareness and a, an, an anchor of ventral into this time of quiet and this time of slower pace and this time where there's more solitude. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I haven't read it, but I'm really looking forward to it. Well, 
it, you can embody it as you read it. And that's what's so beautiful. It's written in such eloquent pose. I, I don't, I've never read Catherine May's work before. Um, Cameron, are you familiar with her? I am not, but I'm going to be. <laughs> I thought of both of you instantly. It's one of those books and we all have done this, right? We're like six pages in and we want to tell everyone we know they have to be reading this, right? <laughs> and, and then I'm thinking, no, this is for me right now. I'm going to treasure it. Um, it's so delicious. And the insights I mean, here I am at 60 years old, finally acknowledging the power of solitude and quiet and um, our touching that dark side and our shadow side. Finally, only this young woman's in her 40s. It's amazing to me to remind myself that, that that's who she is, but she brings a quality to this book as Mary Oliver does to poetry of that. This is a person that has lived lifetimes, right? I mean, we know that when we read any of Mary Oliver's words and um, Catherine May does that and, and tells it through this personal narrative, I just can't get enough of. So, and, and she also has a podcast um, where she talks through the book and brings on um, guests talking about this idea of in the season of wintering for ourselves. So highly recommended. Thank you for that gift and recommendation, Lauren. Yeah. So ladies, anything else you'd like to share as we close out today's episode? Cameron, anything? I loved, I added a new word to my vocabulary, which fits with the invitation of, you know, embracing wintering. And the word is nascent. And it means both, um, you know, in terms of chemistry, oxygen nascent, and, and I'm not good in that field, but I learned it a little bit. Um, but it's a term that says, that explains that time like winter that is both no longer and not yet. Mm. And how poignant it is to be in this time where we do have the invitation of more time and nothing is what it looked like. And we're not really going back. We are going forward in, and there's that quietness. There's that stillness. There's that winter season that is really, it's full of not yet, but it, there's that knowing that it's moving. You know, Cameron, I think it is beautiful that not yet and what is no longer, mm -hmm. I think there was a time when that those terms might have felt unsafe to me. Completely. Mm. And now stepping into that and being able to settle into that and feel the spaciousness and the beauty in there mm -hmm. is a whole new thing. Yeah. I always loved it and in the Christian tradition, when in Christmas Eve services, they celebrate that moment when it gets very, they turn all the lights off in a, in a church service, and then they light candles and they sing Silent Night. And it's about that very time that is wintering, that is that safe moment of anticipation, as opposed to a frightening moment. Mm 
and a moment of being present with the anticipation rather than already being yeah. at the next place. And ladies, oh my goodness. This was so amazing. And I didn't have to eat bags of Doritos and drink bad <laughs> margaritas. <laughs> so many gifts that if we stop, <laughs> more than we could have ever asked for. <laughs> Cameron, thank you. Um, I so appreciate everything you have to offer from your polyvagal perspective. I can't believe how much wisdom you have imparted on us in these months since July, Cameron. Wow. Since That's a whole July. another story of, you know, when there's an opportunity to share co-regulation, it is, it is more than we could have ever imagined. Yes. Yeah. And Megan, Megan, thank you. Thanks so much for hanging in there, for accepting this wild and crazy invitation I gave you in the beginning. So I'll tell you, last year at the beginning of 2020, I have a lovely group of um, women who I run with and have coffee with and they're just wise and wonderful. And um, they're very intentional about the beginning of the year and everybody chooses a word. And anyway, I had this thought at the beginning of 2020 that I, was, I wanted to have a yes year where I stepped in and I said, yes. Now, I think we might have already been recording prior to 2020, Gemmo Memo, but I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Um, but boy, has it been a yes year. And um, it, it really shows um, what leaning in, you know, so many doors have appeared and opened and you have certainly both been a part of that. So it's been really fun. Thank you. Mm -hmm. cool. Well, I, I think this was my just ask year and, um, I have been richly rewarded by just asking. So ladies, thank you. And listeners, we're back. We're back recording and offering a new episode each Wednesday. And I can't um, help but remind you that I have a new Restoring Immunity course that begins this next Monday. And there is still time to register through the 31st of this month. I would be so please to have you come and explore with me. If you think this is fun, being in a class where we can geek out on this um, all together and up close and personal is even better. So please consider it. Um, if you want to find more information about Megan's work, acculimp.com. Yep. Okay. And Cameron, Cameron Scott, ma.com. And the newly launched Polyvagal Institute for all things from courses to resources to wisdom to information. I invite people onto the Polyvagal Institute site and it can be easily Googled and you can know about the work of Steve Porges and Deb Dana and all the evolutions there. So it's very exciting. Fantastic. Very exciting. Yes. Fantastic. Well, great ladies. See you next week. Mm -hmm.